Welcome to the Lean Out Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Baker. Are you looking for a new approach to finding work-life balance? You've come to the right place. Listen as I interview amazing women professionals who've taken the steps to lean out and find balance on their own terms. Hello, hello. Thanks for being here. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Whaley Gray. Whaley is an anesthesiologist by training who practices sleep medicine in Vermont's countryside. She founded Dare to Dream Physician with the mission to empower fellow doctors to dream big and embrace life through travel. With her husband and three kids, she has crafted a dream life brimming with family adventures and extraordinary experiences. She's a physician, a podcaster, a homeschooler, a world traveler, a homesteader. You can see that we have some similarities in our backgrounds. When we first connected, she had started Dare to Dream Physician Podcast, now rebranded as Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. And I caught wind of it from a friend, and I happened to listen to an episode where she described her nine-month sabbatical that she had taken between fellowship and starting out in her first attending job. And at the end of the episode, she said, I haven't heard of anyone else doing anything like this. If you know of someone who has, let me know. And I was in the middle of my most recent sabbatical in 2019. And so I immediately emailed her and we became friends. In this conversation, we discuss events that led to her decision to take that sabbatical. Also, her decision to pursue an unusual area of anesthesiology, her decision to start a podcast and to share the importance of dreams and wants with other physicians. This was a really casual and fun conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. So, Whaley, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. We share some common interests and a common background, and I would love you to talk about what you do for work and how things are unique in your chosen profession. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And one of the things that you know, when we first met, we learned we have all this in common. We were science majors, and then we both did anesthesia. So I'm board certified in anesthesiology, but I also did a sleep medicine fellowship um, after that. If you've gone through anesthesia residency, did the written boards and did the oral boards, like I don't think anybody intends to not practice it because it's so intense. And so I never intended not to practice anesthesia, but I ended up being that way, you know, three kids later. Um, So currently I practice sleep medicine. I work in a critical, a rural critical access hospital. I'm technically considered part-time, but I also read sleep studies in addition to my part-time status. So when you put everything together, I probably work about 40 hours or more a week. But the really beautiful thing is um, um, if you're physicians, like you remember being a resident, you're like, how do I go to a doctor's appointment? How do I go to a dentist's appointment? How do I even go to the bank? And so one of the beautiful things about my schedule is there are three days a week where I go into clinic, you know, I plan to be there for the full day or even later, but there's two days a week where I'm just flexible. So I can read my sleep studies on a weekend if I needed to. So that's been a really beautiful thing. Building this schedule, I sort of had to design it and invent it. 
Yeah. And talk about the non-clinical things that you also do. Maybe two and a half years ago, this was like after my midlife crisis, basically, I started the Dare to Dream Physician. And now it's mostly in the form of a podcast. I went through this process called life planning, and I was offering life planning also to other physicians. Um, And then sort of as my business evolved, now I'm living my life plan and I'm traveling a lot. So now I've rebranded to the Dare to Dream Physician Travel podcast. I put out weekly episodes where um, I either talk about my travel experiences, reflecting on just, you know, living the life that we really want instead of the life that somebody else wanted for us and talking to other physicians that are doing the same and um, going to amazing places, you know, for around the world. I have to say that I have loved the episodes that I've heard with other physicians talking about their wanderlust, talking about the travel and the types of lives that they lead that involve travel. And then I've also loved your solo casts where you talk about lessons that you learn from traveling, especially traveling with your family, because you have a family of five, which can be really challenging to travel with, especially overseas or international travel. What led you to be interested in this area of life planning and of living your dreams? Was there any sort of inciting event that happened that made you want to pursue that area? Wow. So the the title of your podcast is Lean Out. And I I think this is such an interesting concept for physicians because physicians were like following this path for the most part, like it's a very prescribed path. And, um, and I would say that reflecting back, um, there's maybe three points in my physician path where I had opportunities to lean out and they weren't always voluntary, but I embraced the opportunities. So the first one was learning that we were having a child during my intern year. That was a great blessing and also just sort of a shock and just a, a very challenging experience. That was about 13 year, years ago. Then when I was in fellowship, we had a total loss house fire. We just had our second child. He was like a week old. So that was another experience that was really a wake up call. Like, hey, this is my life. I have like one life to live. And the other stuff, like maybe all the expectations that we have as physicians, it really doesn't matter that much. Like nobody would really care. Like if I was attending my funeral, like nobody cared that, hey, I didn't follow this thing to the T. (laughs) You think I would have completely woken up by then? And I did partially. But then the last lean out opportunity was about two and a half years ago. Like most physicians, this is in the middle of the COVID pandemic. I thought I was at my dream job. I moved my family to rural Vermont and changes started happening at work. Like I said, I'm an employed physician. I felt sort of like I was losing control of the way I practice medicine, the reasons why I went into medicine to begin with. And I just got to the point where I even considered, you know, leaving medicine, like quitting. Um, So yeah, those were three big changes in my life that sort of prompted me to, to, really figure out what I really want instead of, you know, just following like a prescribed path. You said you thought that you should have woken up by then. And I think I've felt that way as well. And I'm sure a lot of people can identify with that. It's a iterative process in my experience. It seems like that there's not usually one huge lightning bolt moment for people. There are different time periods where the realizations just start adding up. 
Yeah. So one of the themes that I've noticed at these three turning points in my life as a physician, all like the, it's all connected by fear. So during the pandemic where changes are happening at work, I fear that I would lose control of my life. When I was an intern, I was like, you match your first choice. And, you know, here you are on this path. And what am I doing walking with a humongous belly meeting my intern class? Like, I just remember that moment and how like scared I was, like, what are people going to think of me? And of course, you know, like when we have the house fire, it doesn't really matter what people think of you. You know, it's like you have this one life. A theme that you're getting at is the idea that fears are always going to be there. Fears motivate us. Fear is something that can incite change. What changes did you make based on that motivation that kept you in a sustainable clinical capacity now? I was on the verge of quitting. And then I went through this life planning process where I'm like, wait a minute. No, I love medicine. What's there to lose? I'm just going to stay in medicine. I'm going to stay at my job and really just become more true to myself, figuring out what is it that's important to me? What do I love about medicine? Why am I a doctor? And then figuring out how can I negotiate work terms? How, how do I just change the environment around me so it fits with my vision um, of why I'm doing this? Worst case scenario, you know, they either fire me or I quit. But that's what I was already thinking of doing anyway. In my case, it, it worked. I don't think anyone ever regrets being more true to themselves and being bolder in their life. Because at the end of our life, you know, there are people who do studies on this. In palliative care, you study end of life patients and their common regrets. One of them is, I wish I was bolder. I wish I could have just done the things that I really wanted. And so that was sort of what started it. What if, you know, what if I just go for what I really want? Let's see what happens. So you have a life now where you work part-time clinically. You have some work that you can do remotely. You travel quite a bit. You live on a over a hundred acre homestead with your family. You homeschool. You are helping other physicians to realize their dreams, whether it be travel or otherwise. What do you love about your life right now? What's the best part of your work-life balance? I am so grateful to be alive. And yet I have fears, like all humans have fears. I just have this confidence that, okay, whatever happens, I can figure it out. So it's living that life based out of desire and dreams, as opposed to living a life based out of fear and avoiding pain. So I think that that's like the thing that I'm most satisfied about. I'm very happy in my job. Um, I started kind of thinking about what is so energizing about my job, because there are parts that I always, always loved. And there are parts that just really weigh me down. So I didn't even think about them as separate. But then I started kind of sorting them out. And one of the things was charting, which I was like, anesthesiologists don't really have to do much of that. (laughs) But now I'm doing sleep medicine. So I have charting. Like I love the patient interaction part, which I didn't get as much in anesthesia. But now I have to write about it. I try to get coaching on it. And I got better at charting, like I'm not writing a novel. But at the end of the day, I'm like, this is still draining me. At one point, when there were some things happening at work, where I could step up and help work a little bit more, Instead of just kind of accepting whatever package they gave me, I just said, you know what, you know, I'm going to step up here. I'm happy to help. Like, you know, I love what I do, but this is the thing that's really draining for me. And I need to figure something out, you know, so that this will work for me too. And that's how I negotiated for a scribe, which by the way, like was not a yes at first. I mean, that's the thing about knowing what you want is you keep asking for it. So one is, well, why was I drained? And then 
to figuring what that is and then finding the right time to ask for it and ask for it again and again and in different ways. So in the end, I got a scribe, which was at first um, horrible because the scribe wasn't great, <laughs> but I just kind of held on like, no, this task I need to offload. And then eventually we found the right scribe and the right two scribes actually now I have. And it's amazing. And then the, the other amazing thing was by me just asking, it, it changed the culture at my hospital so that now other physicians there have scribes. And it wasn't necessarily for me telling them, hey, guess what? Lab a scribe. It became one of the tools that the hospital administration had to try to retain physicians. I love it. I would like to summarize a couple of really important themes that you just mentioned that I also have talked about either in my book or in other writings or in different presentations that I've given. And that is that you need to be confident in asking for what you want, be clear and confident, know that a no is not necessarily reflective of you personally. It also is not necessarily a no forever and that it could mean just not right now. And timing is a big issue. I have had to ask for going down to part-time for sabbaticals, and I really tried to work the timing to be to my advantage. And then as you got what you wanted, you became a de facto leader, an unconventional leader, someone who changes the culture because you're showing that it is possible. So it's just wonderful that you have done that at your own organization. The other thing that I had to learn as a physician, because nobody taught us how to negotiate in grade school or medical school or residency or any of this, it's not selfish to negotiate. And I don't go into negotiating saying, this is what I want. I actually go in and saying, how do we create a win-win situation? What's the pain point of the other side? Let me see if I can help creatively resolve that. And what's my pain point, right? But the, the problem I think for most physicians is one, they assume the other side doesn't care about them, which is not true because, you know, physician retention is actually a business case. You want to retain your physicians, even if all you care about is money. And then the other is they don't know what they want, right? Because they don't exercise that muscle. If you go in knowing what you want, trying to listen, like a lot of active listening and question. I mean, that's what business people do. So now I look forward to that. Whereas like the first year when I was in attending, I'm like, I just hope they give me a contract. <laughs> yeah. I think that you just gave us a really great blueprint for negotiation, which is a place of confidence, being mindful of timing, coming at it with curiosity and active listening, and then appealing to the other side and what they need and what their pain points are. Those are really, really good tips. Do you have any other particular advice for someone who is just starting out in their profession, uh, who maybe just got done with their training and is in that position that you were in that you just mentioned where you're like, I really just hope that they give me a contract. I'm just hoping that I'm retained or I'm hoping that I get a job. Anything that you wish that you knew when you were that person compared to who you are now? I think the difference from when I was a first year attending to now I'm going into my eighth year it's just knowing myself, like finding myself again. And I talk about this a lot in my podcast too. And in my social media posts, like the, the whole journey in medicine from pre-med, all the MCATs, going to medical school, so many different board exams and certification exams is we start to lose track of who we are. Recently, I um, like several points in my medical career, I would look at my medical school essay and I'm like, 
oh my goodness, I don't remember this person. <laughs> this sounds like a really cool person. I'd like to get to know her, but I like, this is not who I am now at my midlife crisis is what I call it now. You know, I had those work changes and, and, and started sort of, you know, being more myself is I discovered that person again. More recently, I'm traveling. Like I was a traveler in college and then I went to medical school and then residency and had kids and I totally stopped. And so just discovering these parts of yourself that's really important and then you start to have kind of like conviction. I guess you could call it self-esteem, but it's more like, this is how I like to practice medicine. This is what I think my patients deserve. These are the work terms that'll make that work. So you go in and you just have this internal value that you, like you value yourself. I've gone in meetings or negotiations where, you know, it's clear that the other side does not value me. And it doesn't really matter to me. I've gone in where like the person I'm negotiating with is like, I don't even think this job that you're doing is needed. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why you think that. And let me tell you why it is needed. You learn to grow a thick skin because you start to value yourself. And the the convictions that you have, the passions that you have become more the forefront of who you are. To me, the word conviction is synonymous with having values. But you are talking in turn about how it helps you to know your value to other people. Right. Right. Yeah. Tell me about any financial periods of uncertainty with your family that you've gone through and how you guys navigated that in this whole process of figuring out your unique blend that you have right now. I know we're both fans of the white co-investor and I, I didn't know anything about personal finance until I was done with my training. Really. I remember like the 401k or 403b. I'm like, this is all great to me. I have no idea what this is. And I just kind of put everything on the back burner. So I think, you know, it's so important for physicians to learn personal finance, but it's not hard. It's just a different language. It really, I think it took me like I don't know, a few weeks where I just was reading like the White Co Investor blog and the White Co Investor book. Once I finished my training, I took a nine month sabbatical, which is amazing, by the way. And that's actually when I had time to learn about personal finance. I mean, I did a lot of other things at the same time too, but I just had more bandwidth. Money is a tool in life. I am still the sole income earner and my main source of income is from one source, you know, and yes, we have savings and, you know, we could go on for a little bit if this job doesn't work out, but I feel confident in like just being able to find other ways of opening my own practice or it's the knowledge and the skills that you get actually makes it easier for me to go in and negotiate because I'm like, I'm confident that I could find something. How did you decide that you were going to take a nine-month sabbatical? I remember that you and I connected on that topic That's initially. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you have the total loss house fire and you have a new baby. And I actually wasn't even sure if I could finish fellowship at that point. But we, I, I talked to my fellowship director and we figured out a plan. So I did finish my fellowship. We were displaced. With, we didn't have a home anymore. I had, you know considered in the past staying at my own institution, but I'm like, well, we don't have a home. So, so I, I just wanted to find the right job. And actually that was when my husband brought up to him. He's like, how would you feel about working part-time? You know, once you're an attending, I know you have to work really hard now. And I'm like, you're crazy. Like, no, I don't know anybody who does that first of all. And second of all, certainly not as, you know, like a new attending. That's crazy. But then I thought about it for a while. I'm like, Hmm, nice actually. Um, so I interviewed for jobs and I just tell them I would like to work part-time. 
And then it was crazy because like nobody batted an eye. They're like, oh, okay, I'll tell you if I'm ever between jobs and if we could swing it financially, which, you know, hopefully we can because we do try to save, I would not bat an eye to take another sabbatical. Like sabbaticals are just wonderful. So yeah, we basically did it because it took a little while for me to find the right job. And then once we, you know, I signed the letter of intent, it was negotiating the contract too. And that I, I wanted to take my time doing that. And they weren't in a rush to have me because they were interviewing me to replace a physician who's retiring, but he, he wasn't retired yet. So, so yeah, I, the opportunity came up and I'm so glad that we took it because we, we caught up with family. I spent time with family that I hadn't for over five years. It was, it was crazy. Like I visited my parents' house with our child. I didn't even get to do that when I was a resident. And then just caught up with friends, just feeling human again. And then we did a three month trip out West camping with, it was a little crazy, with a five year old and, and one year old baby at the time. Um, so that was an adventure. I definitely hear you on this sabbatical. Five out of five stars, highly recommend. (laughs) We're on the same page there. And I love that your answer to why did you take a sabbatical is because we could. That is a lesson that other people could really take out of your book. Is there any other advice or anything else that you would like to add today to tell people that feel like they're stuck on the treadmill of achievement? Life can just be gone in a flash. What, What do I really want? What do I really want? Not what, you know, like the medical community wants or what my parents want, what somebody else wants. Like, what do I really want? So I, if you're feeling like you're burned out or you're feeling lost or you're feeling like just like you're not grounded in in your life, I just really encourage all physicians to just kind of think of that. Be honest with yourself. And it might take a while. And write it down, right? The, The process of writing something down makes it real. Just go really deep. And don't worry about other people think, don't even show this paper to anybody. Like you don't even have to show it to your spouse. It's really for you. In fact, I shared in my recent podcast episode, I started this daily practice of just writing down like what something I want, like every day. And it could be like random. Um, I'm going to share this one. Like today I wrote down, I would like to reverse my gray hairs. <laughs> but it's 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 just the thing is you can write something down that you want and and it's a practice because the more you do it the better you get at it the 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 better you can be honest with yourself the better that you are at not judging yourself for you know wanting these things um and i mean we may not get all our wants but the thing is the people who do this they realize it's crazy but you you end up getting most of the stuff that you write down that you actually want and dream of I'm definitely going to link to that episode in the show notes because I also said, this is something I want to start doing. It's on my to-do list. And now you have inspired me to, to start that today. I wanted to go through the three questions and this journaling exercise. So thank you for that. And tell us where we can find you if we want to hear more Yeah, I love it. So you can find me on all podcast platforms, Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. I'm also at daretodreamphysician.com. And I am actually going to start a newsletter um, on just kind of sharing like where I'm going. So my goal, this is also one of the things I wrote down is what I want is I want to see all seven continents with my family by the end of 2024 crazy like a crazy wish but I wrote it down (laughs) and and I find myself like starting to work at it I'm researching places and so anyway I I think um and just you know sharing the journey with physicians um to inspire and encourage 
each of us to dare to dream and live our best life, not in retirement, but as soon as possible. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I loved hearing about Whaley's evolution from an unsure person running on the treadmill of achievement to confident, assertive, and pursuing her dreams. Here are my takeaways from our conversation. Number one, sometimes you need more bandwidth to figure out what you really want. Whaley took the opportunity to spend nine months on what she calls a sabbatical between her training and her first job. The time was so special to her for many reasons. She saw family and friends that she was neglecting. She learned personal finance, and most of all, she slowed down. This informed her future work-life balance and her desire to start a podcast and a community for other physicians. Number two, if you're considering a move out of your profession, it's worth thinking long and hard about the energy gains and the energy drains of your job. Maybe what you need is not to fully quit, but to either shift your roles or somehow let go of a certain task on your plate that is draining your energy. Wiley thought that she wanted to quit, but after spending some time thinking about it, she realized that she didn't really want to leave medicine. She had worked so hard to be there and really liked it, but she needed to offload the charting part of her job to create a sustainable work-life balance. What is that item for you that you need to remove to make your energy balance a little bit better? Number three. Make a regular practice of figuring out what you really, really want. Whaley suggests writing something down every day, even if it's something seemingly trivial. Not only does voicing your wants, just even to yourself, solidify your values and your direction, it can help you to manifest those big wants, like how Whaley has recently re-embraced travel with her family. I'm going to start doing this practice myself. So, of course, today... My parting question to you is, what do you really want? Thanks for listening to the Lean Out Podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave a review for this podcast on iTunes or Spotify so other people needing this kind of community and inspiration can find it easier. Also, you can support this podcast and learn more about the ideas presented by buying my book, Lean Out a professional woman's guide to finding authentic work-life balance. Lastly, if you want more information about working with me, please visit my website at www.practicebalance.com.